0: Greetings and welcome to Stars and Stuff, the astronomy podcast brought to you by me, Richard J Bartlett. In this episode, we'll review the news and planets, talk about the Whirlpool Galaxy, a famous spiral galaxy, and then I'll tell you how you can find two bright stars by using the curved tail of Ursa Major, the Great Bear. Less than 100 years ago, the existence of distant galaxies was unknown to us. They were there, and we could see them, but we thought they were something else. We thought they were nebulae, giant clouds of gas and dust from which the stars are born. Some of those faint, misty patches had a distinctive spiral shape, the most famous of which being the nebula in the constellation of Canis Venatici, the hunting dogs. Now known as the Whirlpool Galaxy, or Messier 51, it was the first of its kind that was found to have a spiral shape. One clear, starry night in March 1845, probably, William Parsons turned his huge 72-inch reflector telescope towards the object and saw a spiral structure for the first time. It was originally thought to be a solar system in its initial stages of formation, and it wasn't until the existence of galaxies was confirmed in 1924 that its true nature was realised. This wasn't a single star being born within the confines of the Milky Way, but rather a citadel of billions of stars, completely separate from our own galaxy and some 23 million light years from Earth. Nowadays, you don't need a whopping 72-inch telescope to see its spiral structure. Good luck buying or building one that size anyway. So what kind of equipment do you need to see the whirlpool's famous spiral shape? If you have dark skies and good seeing conditions, you might be able to spot the galaxy with just binoculars, but you will only see a faint misty patch. That being said, if you want to try your luck, look towards Alcade, the star at the very end of the Big Dipper or Plough Asterism. Through a finder or binoculars, you will see 24 Canum Venaticorum, a magnitude 4.7 star just to the south. Look the same distance again towards the south and you might glimpse the whirlpool. It marks one point on the bottom of a flattened triangle formed with the two stars. So you will not see much with just binoculars. What about a telescope? A small scope, say 3 or 4 inches, will allow you to glimpse it, but you might need to use averted vision. Besides the Whirlpool itself you might also spy NGC 5195. This dwarf galaxy is interacting with the Whirlpool as they pass through space and in photographs you will see a long arm connecting the Whirlpool to its dwarf companion. Unfortunately although you can see both galaxies with a small scope, the chances are you'll only see them as two tiny circular patches beside one another with the Whirlpool being the bright of the two. Realistically you'll most likely need at least a 10-inch scope to see the connecting arm or the spiral structure of the whirlpool. You might also catch some additional details such as modeling in the galaxy's disk or dark lanes among its arms. The best views are reserved for those with a 12-inch scope or larger and while these are not cheap by any means, they're still a lot more affordable, not to mention practical, than a 72-inch reflector. Besides which, a 12-inch scope is large enough as it is. Who's got the space Pun intended for a 72 inch scope anyway. Dark matter, so far, defied every type of detector designed to find it. Because of its huge gravitational footprint in space, we know dark matter must make up about 85% of the total mass of the universe, but we don't yet know what it's made of. Several large experiments that hunt for dark matter have searched for signs of dark matter particles knocking into atomic nuclei via a process known as scattering, which can produce tiny flashes of light and other signals in these interactions. Now a new study suggests new paths for catching the signals of dark matter particles that have their energy absorbed by these nuclei. The absorption process could give an affected atom a kick that causes it to eject a lighter energized particle such as an electron. And it might produce other types of signals too, depending on the nature of the dark matter particle. The study focuses mo- mostly on those cases where an electron or neutrino is ejected as the dark matter particle strikes an atom's nucleus. A team of astronomers has discovered that the closest known brown dwarf, Lumen 16a, shows signs of cloud bands similar to those seen on Jupiter and Saturn. This is the first time scientists have determined the properties of atmospheric clouds outside of our solar system or exo-clouds. Brown Dwarfs are objects heavier than planets but lighter than stars and typically have 13 to 80 times the mass of Jupiter. Lumen 16a is part of a binary system containing a second brown dwarf Lumen 16b. At a distance of 6.5 light years it's the third closest system to our Sun after Alpha Centauri and Barnard Star. Both brown dwarfs weigh about 30 times as much as Jupiter Despite the fact that 16A and 16B have similar masses and temperatures, about 1900 degrees Fahrenheit or roughly 1000 degrees Celsius, and presumably formed at the same time, they show markedly different weather. Lumen 16B shows no sign of stationary cloud bands, instead, exhibiting evidence of more irregular, patchy clouds. Lumen 16B therefore has noticeable brightness variations as a result of its cloudy features, unlike Lumen 16A. Many galaxies far more active than Milky Way have enormous twin jets of radio waves extending far into intergalactic space. Normally these go in opposite directions, coming from a massive black hole at the centre of the galaxy. However, a few are more complicated and appear to have four jets forming an X in the sky. Several possible explanations have been proposed to understand this phenomenon. These include changes in the direction of spin of the black hole at the centre of the galaxy and the associated jets over millions of years, two black holes each associated with a pair of jets and material falling back into the galaxy being deflected into different directions forming the other two arms of the X. Observations of one such galaxy strongly favour the latter explanation as they show material turning the corner as it flows back towards the host galaxy. Researchers using a technique known as Lucky Imaging with the Gemini North Telescope on Hawaii's Mauna Kea have collected some of the highest resolution images of Jupiter ever obtained from the ground. These images are part of a multi-year joint observing program with the Hubble Space Telescope in support of NASA's Juno mission. The Gemini images, when combined with Hubble and Juno observations, We've revealed that lightning strikes and some of the largest storm systems that can create them are formed in and around the large convective cells over deep clouds of water, ice, and liquid. The new observations also confirm that dark spots in the famous Great Red Spot are actually gaps in the cloud cover and not due to cloud color variations. Three years of imaging observations using the International Gemini Observatory have probed deep into Jupiter's cloud tops. The ultra-sharp Gemini infrared images complement optical and ultraviolet observations by Hubble and radio observations by the Juno spacecraft to reveal new secrets about the giant planet. Lastly, a team of astronomers has discovered a black hole lying just 1,000 light years from the Earth. The black hole is closer to our solar system than any other found to date and forms part of a triple system that can be seen with the naked eye. This system could just be the tip of the iceberg, as many more similar black holes could be found in the future. Located in the constellation of Telescopium, the system is so close to us that its stars can be viewed from the southern hemisphere on a dark, clear night without binoculars or a telescope. The team originally observed the system, called HR 6819, as part of a study of double star systems. However, as they analysed their observations, they were stunned when they revealed a third, previously undiscovered body, a black hole. The observations showed that one of the two visible stars orbits an unseen object every 40 days, while the second star is at a large distance from this inner pair. Let's take a look at what's happening with the moon and planets between the 11th and 20th of May. You've only got about another two weeks to enjoy Venus in the evening sky. Telescopically, it's now a slender crescent with 15% of its disk illuminated on the 11th, and just 8% illuminated on the 20th. Likewise, the planet starts at 32 degrees east of the Sun on the 11th, and moves 9 degrees closer over the next 10 days. If you've got a clear, unobstructed view of the west-northwestern horizon, you may be able to spot Mercury from about the 15th onwards. Keep your eye on Venus. Before it disappears completely, it will drop toward the innermost planet over the next 10 days. They'll form a close conjunction on the 21st. Try your luck about 15 minutes after sunset. After Mercury and Venus set, you'll need to wait until about 1am to see the next bright planets. Jupiter rises first, with Saturn only about 15 minutes later. Jupiter is now a brilliant magnitude minus 2.5, but Saturn is still a faint 0.5. However with about 4 and 3 quarter degrees between them, the pair should easily fit within the same binocular field of view. The waning gibbous moon appears nearby on the morning of the 12th. Mars rises about three and a quarter hours before the sun and is gradually getting brighter. You'll find it among the faint stars of Aquarius, with the last quarter moon nearby on the 15th. Neptune rises at about 3.30am, with Uranus rising at about 5.15. You might have a small window of opportunity to see Neptune, but the planet will be very low over the horizon as the sky starts to brighten. Uranus will probably be lost against the twilight and on. Unobservable. As for the Moon, it reaches last quarter on the 14th. We have a good opportunity to see Earthshine around the 19th or 20th. Earthshine is when you can see the dark portion of the Moon's surface during the Moon's crescent phase. As a result, you'll see the hold of the Moon against the brightening pre dawn twilight sky. It's called Earthshine because light is reflected back from the Earth and illuminates the otherwise darkened lunar surface. Nearly everyone is familiar with the Big Dipper, or the Plough, as it's known in the United Kingdom. These seven bright stars are the brightest in the constellation of Ursa Major, the Great Bear, and are visible throughout the year from most of the Northern Hemisphere. They are a pretty famous group of stars, and have been known to various civilizations across the world for millennia. Again, as many people know, you can use the two-pointer stars of the Dipper, Merak and Dubhe, to find Polaris, the North Pole Star. Have you ever been lost on a dark starry night out in the middle of nowhere? Was your cell phone dead and you had no GPS to guide you home? Did you stick your head out of the window, taking care to wind it down first, and look for Polaris and a sense of direction? I have, except it happened in the 1990s before GPS and cell phones were in common use and long story short, I was in England on a country road somewhere and with no idea where I was only knew that if I headed south I would eventually hit the motorway. Not literally of course, that would be bad. So I did what any other self-respecting amateur astronomer would do. I found Polaris in the sky and headed in the opposite direction. It worked. I was lucky it was a clear night. Anyway, these seven stars are good for more than just finding Polaris and your way home. More specifically, you can use them to find other stars and constellations. Have you ever heard of the phrase arc to Arcturus and spike on to Spica? Unless you're into astronomy already, the chances are you haven't. Arcturus is the brightest star in the northern celestial hemisphere, and the fourth brightest in the entire night sky. Light from the star was used to start the World Fair in Chicago in 1933. At the time, it was thought the star was about 40 light years away, and the star was chosen because it was thought that the light had left the star at about the same time as the last World Fair in 1893. The reality is that Arcturus is closer to 37 light years away, so the light had actually passed the Earth some 3 years previously. Arcturus is a red giant star, some 26 times larger than the Sun, but with only slightly more mass. Being a red giant, and about 7 billion years old, it's nearing the end of its life. In fact, Arcturus is one of those stars, Betelgeuse and Orion being another, that could theoretically go bang in our lifetime and when it does, it's going to be a pretty spectacular sight. That's not to say it isn't already, to the naked eye it appears as a coppery orange star at the bottom of a kite-shaped constellation of Bootes the herdsman. Yes you heard that right, Bootes. I can't remember where or how I learned to pronounce it correctly, but that's it. It's spelled B-O-O-T-E-S, so you'd think you'd pronounce it Bootes, but you'd be wrong. So how do we find Arcturus? Simple, we arc down to it from the dipper slash the plough. There are three bright stars that form the handle. Alcaid, Miser and Alioth. And they appear in a curved line and it's these three stars we use to find Arcturus. Follow the curve of the three stars down towards the south and you'll come to the bright orange star. Easy! Now carry on, or spike on as the saying goes, to another star, Spica. Spica is the brightest star in the constellation of Virgo the Virgin. I've heard the star's name being pronounced as both Spica and Speaker. I've used both myself, but in this con- context we'll stick with Spica. To get to the star, we continue the curved line south through Arcturus until we encounter a reasonably bright, whitish star. Spica isn't nearly as bright as Arcturus, but as the 15th brightest star in the sky, it's still pretty conspicuous. Unfortunately, the rest of the constellation isn't nearly as bright. Virgo is the second largest constellation, after Hydra, and it's famous for containing thousands of faint galaxies. But if galaxies aren't your thing, there's not much else to see here. Spica itself is about 250 light years away and is actually a double star. The two components of the system are so close together that the gravitational forces between them have distorted both stars into an egg shape. In ancient times, Virgo was associated with fertility goddesses, and if you were to look at a star chart, you might see it depicted as a maiden holding an ear of grain. The star Spica marks the position of the grain, and its modern name is derived from its original Latin, Spica Virginis, which means the Virgin's ear of wheat grain. Spica might not be as bright or as as neighboring Arcturus, but if you only know the seven stars of the Big Dipper, then at least you can find two more, and hopefully find your way home. Is this episode's trivia question. You can get over 700 like it from my book, The Daily Astronomical and Space Quiz Book, which is available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle format. So here it is. Which star's name means Guardian of the Bear? Is it A. Octorus, B. Miser, C. Polaris, or D. Spiker? As always, I'll give you the answer in just a few moments. The answer to a trivia question is A, Arcturus. Even if you didn't know that already, hopefully you took a wild guess, since I was just talking about it. And that's it for another episode. As always, if you liked it, please subscribe and tell your friends. You can find stars and stuff on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple, and Google, among others, or by going to tinyurl.com forward slash snspod. If you're interested in my books, you can find them at tinyurl.com forward slash rjbamazon-us in the United States and tinyurl.com forward slash rjbamazon-uk in the United Kingdom. You're also welcome to email me at astronomywriter at gmail.com with any comments or questions you might have. And don't forget to come join the Stars and Stuff Facebook group at tinyurl.com forward slash SNS Facebook group. Thanks for listening and until we talk again, clear skies to you.